137th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Pixelated Paranormal, your guides to the unusual and the strange. And this episode is number 44. Shorty McShorty. Yeah, we don't have a lot to talk about because our well runneth a bit dry lately. So that's not quite true. The well's not running too dry. It's just that... uh, We gave you so much for Halloween. (laughs) We're just uh, just a little bit uh, tired right now. Yeah, we did four episodes in a row this month, which was pretty awesome for us. And uh, that last one was like a two hour yeah, two hours last time, and in that two hours, there's at least half hour of uh, a half hour of good stuff there. So, yeah, yeah we uh, we're just coming off of doing a month straight of recording once a week, so we don't have a whole lot stockpiled up to talk about. Just uh, a little bit of news, some news stuff that we've both been kind of grabbing. Because I mean, throughout the weeks online, on Facebook, and on the web as well, we're saving different stories throughout the week to find out what we want to really bring to the table for our recordings and. Uh, We're just going to kind of pick up on the extras we didn't get to over the month of October. And then we're also missing Rob today as well. Rob couldn't make it in this week. He's starting to get stuff ready for um, a big event they have coming up next week. So um, the guys, Rob and Corey and Steven, are all doing a 24-hour game-a-thon session for Extra Life, which is a fundraiser uh, that ties fundraising into video games or in with video games. And basically, you pledge to game for so many hours for a marathon, usually about 24 hours. And uh, during that time, you can stream yourself playing, you can broadcast it, and people can donate to to your charity of choice. And uh, so Stephen and Corey and Rob are all actually getting ready to do that. Um, Stephen and and Corey are heading down to Kentucky, and they're going to do this um, big broadcast from Rob's place. So pretty exciting stuff, man. I wish we could be there, but hopefully next year you and I can get down there and join them too. Yeah, we're going to try to get in on the action a little bit next week. Right, right. But yeah, so they've got this awesome fundraiser set up, and it's called the Oh Pixelated Sausage Indeed Extra Life Fundraiser. And yeah, they're basically going to raise money doing what they do anyway. And that was the idea of last year was Rob wanted to do a fundraiser for Extra Life. And he's like, you know, I play games, video games every weekend. And throughout the week, why not raise money and do something good um, by doing something I do anyway? So, yeah. and last year they raised quite a bit of money. I forget exactly what they raised, but it was a pretty a pretty decent amount of money for the first year they did it. So, um, basically, two great podcasts are coming together again: the O oh Indeed podcast and the Pixelated Sausage Network show, including Pixelated Radio and Pixelated Paranormal. And on November seventh, starting at noon central standard time to coincide with the launch of the xbox one x the guys are getting together to do their own marathon and this is the second year of raising money for the cmn or children's miracle network and this year they're joining forces with they're joining forces with a bigger group of friends trying to bring 25 hours straight of gaming and through that you're going to get to see them play the new xbox one x um some playstation vr and they're going to do a little bit of tabletop rpg um some game called Dread, which I think Rob's going to be the um, the DM for that, and then Corey and Steven, whoever else joins in, 
are going to get to run that game. So it's pretty awesome. But yeah, everybody has chosen to donate to CMN. Um, I believe, you know, the proceeds that Rob raises will go to Kentucky and then they'll split the other, you know, two thirds or whatever to uh, back here in, in Wichita. <coughs> so that'll be fantastic. But yeah, we're really excited. If you choose to guys, we're going to link up their donation page that week. And also that day as well on our Facebook page for Pixelated Paranormal. Mm-hmm. If you want, there'll be some easy donation pages um, to go to. We'll have links for all that. And your donations are tax deductible. So if you decide that you'd like to throw some money at the cause, they would greatly appreciate that. And you can help make miracles come true for families who desperately need them. The tax deductible donations, by the way. So you can deduct those puppies on your taxes. But yeah, we wish them a lot of luck and it's going to be pretty exciting. And then, yeah, like you said, Preston, you and I are going to try to jump in there as much as we can and kind of play the uh, support roles for them. So it's going to be a pretty good time. I'll probably be doing some Binding of Isaac and some Cuphead and whatever else they all want to play together. So it'll be a pretty good yeah. time, I think. Maybe we'll see baby Steven again. So I think last year we were playing uh, Grand Theft Auto and uh, baby Steven showed up. That was so creepy. That's <laughs> so uh, fucking creepy. Damn, dude, I did not notice all these times that we've been recording that you had like a fucking desert behind you with all the cacti growing all over the place. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? That's funny. Yeah. Um, I've never actually had those back there. I brought them in because it started getting really cold here in Kansas. And uh, last week I thought I should bring them in because the the aloe was turning a little bit brown and starting to get kind of droopy. Yeah, And then that little cactus was starting to look kind of sad himself. And so I thought I should probably bring these things in before they just all get ruined because succulents aren't expensive, but these are like the longest run I've had of like big, healthy succulents. And I thought I should probably save these puppies and not buy them again next summer like I normally do. Yeah, man. They, uh, you know, plants have thoughts and feelings of their own. So all you need is a little bit of love positive vibes and uh, just play them some good music. <laughs> right. That's all you need. Totally. Yeah. I thought it'd kind of liven up the office a little bit and it looks, hell, it looks pretty cool from my camera, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, damn, a goddamn desert bond. Yeah, buddy. So speaking of that, I'm pretty sure I know the solution for half of this weird thing that happened, but I came in tonight to record and the office door has been closed all day. Yeah. And so when I opened it up this morning or sorry, this evening to come in and record, I noticed that like the dirt out of the cactus has been like splashed across my desk. Like there's like big chunks of it and little like uh, little spots here and there, but it's all over everything. And then on the back of the desk, I have like a shelf set up so you can kind of like, you know, if you were a cat, say you could jump on the desk then jump up on the back of the cabinet and look out the window and there's a giant like dirt puddle up there too, which telltale signs mean it's probably the cat, but it's weird because it wasn't here this morning and the cat hasn't been in the office all day because the door has been shut. And so it's kind of bizarre. But uh, the weird thing is beyond that, I was, you know, I came in here and I sat down and I started kind of cleaning up the dirt and dusting it off a little bit. And I found a Christmas card. No, a Valentine's day card. Yeah. Aww. I do not remember seeing this card or having it anywhere in my office at all. It just mysteriously just showed up. Well, it's weird. My grandmother has been deceased um, for quite a while, for several yeah. years now. And, of course, my grandma's always, you know, is my favorite grandma. You know, it's the one I knew the best and the one that's always around. Yeah. But it's a Chris. <laughs> I'm stuck on Christmas. It's around the corner. This Valentine's Day card <laughs> is from my grandma. And 
it's really weird because, you know, grandma never wrote a bunch of like notes in cards before. It was always very short and sweet. It was whatever the card yeah. said. And then on the very bottom, always, always said, God bless, love grandma. And so, yeah, it's a card from my grandma that passed. I have no idea where Aww. it came from because I'm not the kind of guy that really saves greeting cards. I think personally, um, greeting cards are a giant waste of time. And or money, at least. Yeah. I mean, it's cool to say stuff, but I always like to say stuff in person. If it's your birthday, I'll call you or text you from me. I think greeting cards, Yeah. I mean, we're always going to have them, and it's a fantastic you know, line to, uh, designed to be in if you're a greeting card designer. But um, it's, I think it's a giant sham. But I think I'm going to start this thing now where if it's your birthday and I give you a birthday card, I'm just going to take a $5 bill and write whatever holiday it is, like happy birthday, Merry Christmas, whatever, on the 5 bucks. And put that in an envelope and give it to you because I'd rather you buy like lunch with the five bucks the card cost me instead of me giving you a piece of paper that says something I could easily just tell you in person. Yeah. Yeah, right <laughs> But on, yeah, man. it's kind of weird. Like I, I don't remember having this card or ever storing this card anywhere, but it was kind of on the desk. So I don't know. It could have been my cat. It might just be sheer, you know, circumstance. I forgot about putting this card on the desk, but I don't remember it. So kind of spooky. Yeah. Well, I think, like we said earlier, it's going to be kind of a short show. Like James Brown always says, I think we're just going to get in there and we're just going to hit it and quit it. Yeah. Can we hit it and quit? Hit it! So we're just going to share some news that we've come across, guys, a little chitter-chatter, and then we'll probably get out of your hair. So don't expect anything too grandiose this time around, but uh, we'll bring the hits anyway. So the first article that I read recently said, surprise, surprise... When you get drunk, it's not changing you into somebody else. It's just an extension of your inner self. So this whole time, you know, you get drunk and everybody says, man, when Gary gets drunk, he just turns into a raging asshole. Or, you know, when when Jill drinks, she just becomes such a jerk. Or, oh, so-and-so's a happy drunk. Or so-and-so's just a giant horn dog. Apparently, through a lot of recent studies, scientists are discovering that when you get drunk... All you're doing is amplifying your normal self <laughs> with a little so, bit of confidence. So you're already an asshole, and you're just making yourself more of an asshole. Yeah. It kind of brings out like those latent, hidden personality traits, I guess. So like, if you're a happy-go-lucky guy and you become an asshole when you're drunk, newsflash, guys, you're just really secretly an asshole. But yeah. I don't know. That wasn't much newsflash for me. I kind of already knew all that kind of crap. I'm pretty sure that... <laughs> everybody knew that information to begin with. This kind of lets your inhibitions go and lets your guard down a little bit and you have a little bit more courage to uh, do or say some of the things you would normally do. I think think somewhere down the road, Freud probably has something to say about it. You know, drinking enough alcohol brings out the uh, the most basic of human actions, being overly horny and overly aggressive and stuff like that, because basically that's what happens when you drink way too much. You get too confident and you... Start chasing skirts and doing dastardly things. So, so I wonder if like what they're really trying to say is like uh, you know how they they they, they say that uh, everybody's got like a daemon or like an overseer, mm-hmm. which is like your higher self. Mm-hmm. And so like you know if you if you're like you know like they're like oh my god Tom's an ass when he drinks. Well maybe that's like you know you're filtering out all that consciousness. Yeah. So then what comes through is the daemon and really Tom's higher self is the asshole, not Tom. Oh, maybe, maybe you're during the waking yeah. hours, you're repressing that inner, that yeah. inner you maybe. <laughs> tricky, tricky. Yeah. I mean, it could be, I was talking to a guy earlier today about 
uh, meth addicts and doing meth and how like we, we were discussing conceal and carries and we're not going to get political in this podcast, but you know, he's talking about how two months ago he purchased a nine millimeter handgun that he carries on him at all times because his transmission went out on his car and he's decided to just walk for a while and just, you know, get away from some of these, you know, quote, basic human needs that aren't really human needs. And so he's like, the first thing I cut out is my car. I'm just going to let it sit there and I'm just going to walk for a while. He said it happened once before and like he weighed like 200 and 240 or 270 pounds. And then over the course of two years, he quit driving and just started walking everywhere he could. And he lost like 70 pounds over two years. So he's down to like 170 pounds or something. So. Yeah. But yeah, he said the problem is with this day and age, all the tweakers and stuff roaming the streets, he had to buy a pistol. And over the course of the last two months, he's had to draw that thing twice on people trying to mug him or just weird him out and stuff like that. And anyway, where I'm going with this is, you know, he said, you know, drugs are horrible. Pot's not that big a deal. You know, he said he'd rather see somebody walk down the street holding two joints than trying to, you know, hitch you up for meth money. But he's like, you know. Drugs and alcohol, basically, it's just an escape. It's a way to just leave the earth for a short period of time and get to either A, an altered sense of consciousness, or B, just forget all your problems and go somewhere else. And I, I never thought about that. But yeah, really yeah. getting drunk or getting high, I suppose, is just a way for you to kind of leave for a little while, check out for a bit. Let the video game controller take control. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That idea of the daemon, man, we should talk a little bit more about that. Um, the idea that basically the concept is that everybody pretty much is living in the matrix, so to speak, but not quite to that degree. But as you're walking around, you're more or less a vessel. And, um, there's an idea that this entity, everybody has one called the daemon is actually controlling you. Isn't that pretty much what it is? Yeah. yeah. And so at certain points, you know, you may shut off into autopilot and maybe the daemon takes control. Which kind of explains how, you know, athletes get into that flow state sometimes, like maybe thing or, you know, uh, a mother sees a car run over their child and she can walk over and lift the car up, you know, to save the child. Maybe certain points, something gets a little bit too out of hand and all of a sudden your, your daemon or your, the controlling entity takes control and kind of does some things that aren't normal for human beings to do. It kind of gets tied in with like the third man effect or like the guardian angel. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, sometimes, like, people will say, like, uh, you know, like, all of a sudden I heard a voice and the voice told me to do this and I did it and saved my life. And they're like, oh, well, that was your daemon speaking to you. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's interesting. And the inner monologue and all that. Because I know we'll get we'll get to more of this here in a, in a little bit when we're done with the news stories. But I know, like, when I was in that float tank for the very first time and I heard those voices, it kind of felt like somebody in my head who's who resides there maybe that knows a little bit more than I do. And they were, I just found a way to kind of open up that portal or that conversation between, you know, me and it. And if you, if you study meditation a lot, look into meditation, you'll learn that, that a lot of people say that they're able to access a part of their brain that's kind of shut off or disconnected. And it's almost like a second person in there. So it's really interesting stuff. We'll talk more about that in a little bit, but, um, I guess your turn. Let's, let's move on to something different here. Okay, so monster planet that should not exist has been discovered. So you think with all the you know the sophisticated you know satellite and equipment and shit that NASA has, we would be the ones that actually discover this. But nope, they discovered it using the new array of telescopes in Chile. 
there is a huge gaseous planet that uh, is in a tight orbit around a tiny star. And uh, most astronomers say that that shouldn't happen or should never exist. Mm-hmm. But we we discovered it. And so imagine like a world two times the size of Jupiter around like a star five times smaller than ours. Mm-hmm. A star and, like ours, meaning like the sun? Yeah, okay. uh-huh. but like five times smaller. And uh, it's like in an orbit like Mercury or Venus, like it's super close. And so you have the, the gravity of the planet is actually more than the gravity of the star. And so you normally wouldn't see that, but it's out there. Hmm. And so now that they discovered and discovered it and, and like, you know, the calculations on what to look for, these started to pop up all over the place. They actually found another uh, planet, a gaseous planet like Jupiter, that's like, you know, five times bigger than a star. And this gaseous planet is so big that it actually eats up its sun rays like it's almost eating the sun. Really? Yeah. Mm, I wonder if it's thriving on that sunlight and that's what keeps it going or keeps it fueled. I don't know. So, yeah. Huh. There you go. Interesting. So, okay, that kind of follows up with maybe what I'm talking about. Maybe it's sheer coincidence, but... Um, I came across a news article saying we are dealing with our first truly identified alien visitor. And the Ooh. title is a little bit misleading, but it's still pretty interesting nonetheless. It's not really anything about aliens or greys or any little green men that have popped up. But basically, scientists are saying that something strange in the solar system has been discovered that wasn't always there. And they start off with a quote saying, We have never seen anything like this before. Rob says to the New York Times, not our Rob, but this Rob guy, Earlier this month, astronomers at the University of Hawaii Institute for Astronomy discovered a mysterious object zipping through the solar system. Calculations show it came within 24 million miles of our sun on September 9th and about 15 million miles of Earth on October 14th. While traveling at a blinding 37 miles per second, calculations also show something unprecedented. The object, currently classified as asteroid A over 217, I'm sorry, A over 2017, U1, is the first confirmed flying object to arrive in our solar system from another solar system. They say it's fairly certain that we're dealing with something truly identified as an alien visitor. Professor Alan Fitzsimmons tells The Guardian, Astronomers have calculated the orbit of A over 2017U1 into the past and future and found it always has been traveling fast enough to escape the sun's gravity, meaning our sun. Unless there are serious problems with the calculation, it must have come from outside our solar system, according to the Minor Planet Center. The center's doctor, Gareth Williams, explains that the object's orbit features no close approaches of any kind to any other giant planets that could have given this thing a kick. So this means, dun, 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 it's coming from interstellar space, and it's also going into interstellar space. A over 2017UI, which is estimated to be less than 400 meters in diameter, appears to already be on its way back out of our solar system, So the scientists are rushing as fast as they can to do any other kind of studies or calculations they can (coughs) calculations they can about it. They say it could be made of other entirely different materials than those that comprise the comets and asteroids found closer to the home of ours. 
it was an alien. <laughs> right. So, I mean, does that mean we've got two unidentified or identified objects floating in space right now? Yeah. Hmm. So I wonder with as fast as that thing's traveling in the orbit that it's basically, you know, projected onto, maybe this is just the first time it's passed us that we've realized. And it yeah. could take another 20 million years or 200 years, whatever, to realize it's coming back around. Yep. Or, I mean, we only know really about the orbit about our solar system, you know, so what if our solar system was like the nucleus of something larger? And, you know, we have things kind of going around our sun like a mobile. And then there's also another separate mobile or, you know, sun with its own planets circling around it. But then that cluster is circu- uh, cir- <laughs> circling around our solar system. Kind of like a mobile above like a baby's crib, you know, several different clusters spinning and they're all kind of rotating around a larger axis. I think uh, I, I read a book about uh, um, fuck it was Graham Hancock and it, it had to do like with the destruction of Mars and like possibly like what far, you know fucked Mars up. Uh-huh. And he was saying that uh, you know not only uh, that you know like the Mayans talked about that uh, you know like every twenty five thousand years or twelve thousand years. Um, uh, there's like where the all the planets in the solar system line up to the dead center of uh, the Milky Way galaxy or whatever it was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But he says like every I think like fifty thousand years or every like hundred thousand years, our uh, position in the, in the Milky Way galaxy um, we actually tilt up, and when we tilt up, we actually go through like a part of the Oort cloud mm-hmm. that's like comet debris. And then so, you know, he theorized that like within the next, I don't remember where we're at in that cycle, but within the next like couple hundred years, like we should start seeing an increase of like asteroids and comets into our solar system because we're actually moving closer to that debris field. And then, you know, we start to slowly move back down and move away from it. Uh And then, you know, in the next 50, 100,000 years, we'll start to slowly move back up and go back into it. So not only do we circle around the Milky Way galaxy, but we also fluctuate up and down as we're circling. Oh, interesting. So. Mm -hmm. Too bad we're not going to be around to find out. (laughs) Nope. We should be deceased. Well, let's just keep it in space and tell me some more about this eclipse business that you were. So, you know, like usually like everybody's like, uh, you know, you have people on both sides of the fence that that everybody believes that uh, every story in the Bible is historically accurate. Mm -hmm. And you got everybody on the other side of the fence who says the Bible is just a fucking book and it's full of shit. Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh, this group of uh, scientists, uh, they were looking at a a section of uh, of the Bible that uh, deals with uh, Joshua leading the Israelites into Canaan. Mm-hmm. And the scripture goes, Son, stand still at Gibeon and moon in the valley of Aion. And the sun stood still and the moon stopped until the nation took uh, vengeance on their enemies. So they're like, that's that's like really, that's really weird, right? Um, that it makes no sense whatsoever. Um, but they started looking at uh, the Hebrew word for stand still, and it has the same root as the word used by the Babylonian astronomers uh, to describe an eclipse. 
So they started to look at like, you know, how many years do we actually have an eclipse? And they started doing the math and started doing the calculations and they started to work their way backwards. And they got a date that an eclipse happened at 1207 BCE. So a long fucking time ago, an eclipse happened. <laughs> yeah. And they said, okay, so um, what, what was going on around that time frame? And uh, Egyptologists have a, a, a stele called the, uh, the Mernatep stele, which uh, talks about, or the Victory stele, which uh, talks about uh, Pharaoh Menetep and uh, his victory over uh, the Canaanites. And uh, if doing the math, that puts Joshua and the Israelites in Canaan somewhere around the time that the Pharaoh came in and kicked ass. So through one quote in the Bible and doing some mathematical calculations in astronomy, uh, they were able to show that uh, there was some historical fact to the, the biblical text about Do- Joshua being in Canaan. Hmm. And a pharaoh kicking ass. <laughs> the pharaoh kicking ass. Yeah. Well. So, had <laughs> Noah stuck his fucking head outside of a boat and said, holy shit, the sun is standing still and there's a fucking moon, they could probably prove that that story was true too. Instead, he just stuck his head out the boat and said, God damn, it's a fucking bird and a bunch of fucking water. <laughs> right. Uh, I always have trouble with those kind of stories, man. Like, it just seems so far-fetched, like we're just reaching so hard to make a connection between two things. But I guess it's good to have a hobby. Yeah. I mean, so we we proved one out of, you know, I don't know, several hundred. Mm-hmm. 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 So. Well... There you go. You're right. I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> For all you religious people out there, proof that the Bible's not total bunk. Mm. It got one right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so earlier we brought up um, the float tank and kind of taking trips and getting uh, leaving Earth, so to speak, whether you're drunk or high or um, elevating to a higher consciousness. And I've been wanting to get back to the float tank here in El Dorado Tank House Float. For a while, and of course, you know, I've never had the time to get back because uh, the first time I went, I was pretty successful and got to so far off places. And the second time I went thinking I really had a grip on this thing, I got salt water in my eyes and had an itchy mosquito bite and was miserable for the entire hour and a half. And every year around this time during daylight savings, I go through this wicked bout of insomnia that lasts for like one or two weeks. And... I'm a night owl anyway, but for some reason, I just, during this time, I can't go to sleep any earlier than like two or three in the morning, and then I'll still wake up at the normal time. So for the last two weeks, I've been going to bed at like two or three a.m. and then waking up between seven thirty and eight. And the only good to come out of this is a while back, a couple of years ago, I was trying to do a little study of meditation and trying to trying to get to this place that's described as like um, the twilight or I don't know, limbo. And it's a, it's a place you get where you're just about to fall asleep. So your body kind of goes numb and then you have just enough awareness of your surroundings to realize you're not quite asleep. And I was doing a lot of reading and a lot of studying on it. And if you can get to that point, that's kind of like the meditation zone. So you kind of zone out and you're kind of disconnected for a little while and you're not quite awake and you're not quite asleep. And it's different from sleep paralysis too. Let me just say that real quick. 
But it's just kind of cool because you can just, I don't know, I like, it sounds so pretentious and so douchey. When I finally learned how to get there, the trick was A, finding out when you're there and B, not getting too excited because you'd wake yourself up and also not getting too comfortable because you would continue to slip and just fall back asleep. So over the course of like two years of just taking naps on my lunch breaks and stuff like that in my car, um, I was learning how to kind of get the temperature in the car just right and how to almost fall asleep and not quite. And it was this game to see how long I could stay, um, how long I could stay in this kind of limbo place I called it or the twilight as it's called. And anyway, um, that time's upon me again where lo and behold, I haven't slept for crap for two weeks. And so the other day um, I was off by myself and I thought, you know what? I'm going to sit in the bathtub and just relax. I'm going to take a shower. So I took a shower and then after I was done, I filled up the bathtub and like any other manly man, I saw that there was a bath bomb <laughs> in the basket on the back of the toilet. So I said, screw it. Uh, I threw the bath bomb in the bathtub and cranked that puppy up almost scolding hot. And then I shut the bathroom door and I sat in that bathtub and just kind of relaxed and started to kind of fall back asleep, but not quite. And then I thought, you know what? I think part of the thing I'm missing through all this is some kind of, you know, ambient noise. And one of my favorite soundtracks um, of all time is from Hannibal. And it's, I think, like the season three soundtrack. But it's just really bizarre pitches and tones. And there's no actual music that is made of patterns. It's all just kind of like just ambient noise and kind of background noises and stuff like that. And I've discovered that if I'm trying to do any kind of like meditation or whatever, or just kind of relax on a lot of my lunch breaks, I'll just play this track or these tracks from the soundtrack. And it helps me kind of zone out because there's no patterns. There's no lyrics. It's just kind of like this really relaxing, odd background noise. So I turned it on um, when I was in the bathtub and closed my eyes. And I happened to think about how as hot as it was in the bathtub, it's almost like a damn float tank because the temperature of the water is starting to cool down and the steam is causing the air in the bathroom to kind of warm up a little bit. And so I thought, hey, what the hell? I'm going to see if I can make a float tank out of my bathtub. And mind you, I'm not the world's tallest man. I'm like 5'8". So I'm laying in this bathtub with a towel rolled up behind my head and my knees are kind of bent and I'm just kind of cramped in this bathtub. But by God, it worked. Like I'm laying there in this bathtub in this water that's not really – I'm not submerged. I'm laying down and it's just kind of like up you know, to my hips and my chest and stuff. And I was able to relax just enough with this ambient noise and I just started to kind of get back to that zone that I was in the first time I was in the float tank. And I, I kind of screwed up because I think the problem was I didn't turn the lights out. And I think if I were to turn the lights out, man, I would have been there. I thought you were just going to tell me like your dick got above water and you started to get cold. And here you're like, whoop, got out of it. <laughs> <laughs> you're such a child. <laughs> no, um, I, I had my eyes closed and I had this music going in the background and stuff like that. And yeah, I was, I was starting to kind of drift off to that old familiar area, you know, mentally that I got in that float tank or for those couple of years that I used to quote meditate or take a nap. Let's say meditate. Yeah, meditate. When I would meditate a nap. <laughs> and yeah, I got really excited and I slipped out of it. And then, of course, I laid there and relaxed myself. And the temperature of the water and the air was pretty much the same. So I'm going to try this experiment again tomorrow and see if I can do it. Because 
that might be something really, really freaking awesome. And I'll kind of play like a little sample of the music that I'm listening to. Anyway, there's no like real repeating patterns or tones or anything. It's just really strange. I don't know. Just really strange, eerie background music. Hannibal was an awesome show anyway. So that whole soundtrack's eerie and bizarre and very abstract. But yeah, man. But I'm laying there and this is really funny too. I forgot I set an alarm because it's like, you know, I don't want to stay in the bathtub for more than like 45 minutes. And so I'm laying there and we talked about the daemon and the, and the voice in your head. And I've talked before how like I heard a voice in my head when I was in the float tank. And so I'm laying there and all of a sudden I'm getting those meditation lights. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so you close your eyes and it's just all black. And then all of a sudden like an archway kind of appeared out in the distance. And then something in the back of my head's like, oh, you found it. Did you find it? And it was almost mocking. And that's always like the, the, the phrase that's always been in my head every time I've done the float tank or like really try to meditate deeply. And it's always been like, oh, you found it. Oh, there it is. Oh, you're almost there. Oh, you're here. And so I remember looking at this archway, but it's like super psychedelic because everything's pitch black except the objects like this stone archway was made out of like psychedelic greens and blues. And it was really trippy. And next thing you know, I'm flying at this arch at like light speed, like Star Trek, like multicolored stars are flying past me, like 2001 Space Odyssey. And I remember I get to it and I'm like rushing up to the doorway. And then all of a sudden I just hear this thing go. (sighs) I like this blood curdling, like scream. And it freaking woke me up. It scared me so bad. I like instantly jolted and like splashed water everywhere. And it was the sound of my alarm going off. (laughs) Yeah. The time ran up because I didn't want to sleep in the bathtub for too long. But it was so trippy, man, because wherever I was at was like a deep, deep concentration because it wasn't like a "Eh, eh, eh." it sounded like roaring and like screaming and blood curdling screams. And I thought something was like rushing towards me. But what was funny is as I'm waking up, I hear this voice say, that's too bad. It looks like you almost had it that time. And then it goes away. And I'm like, what the f- Come on. So I don't know if it's like, it's just my brain defragging. And, you know, in the back of my mind, psychologically, I'm trying to get to, quote, there, you know, in this meditative state. Yeah. Or maybe there is some other entity in your psyche. And mine is just a mocking bastard who <laughs> keeps dangling this sense of nirvana like a freaking carrot in front of my You're face. almost there. Yeah. It's like, uh, what was that, the State Farm, that old guy that's got the dollar? <laughs> Almost got it. I got you a dollar. <laughs> Whoa. You got to be quicker than that. 
<laughs> Got your nirvana, Sean. <laughs> Got to be quicker than that. And what's your nirvana? You want some higher sense of being? Yeah. So anyway, tomorrow um, I'm off all day. Shayla has to work. And so I'm thinking I will go out and work on my fence for like four or five hours and then take a shower. And then uh, I don't have any bath bombs, damn it. But I'm just going to say that was just a perk. I don't think that was a secret to meditation. But yeah, I'm going to take a look. And- I, wonder, I wonder if you if you bought enough salt. Mm-hmm. Um, and like filled your bathtub, like, yeah, like, you know, you're kind of cramped in there, but you probably get your body up enough that you could kind of like float in there. Um, I don't think you could the way you can a float tank. And the only reason why is like laying in the bathtub, I'm, I'm on my back and I've got my back kind of resting on the back of the tub where it kind of slants up and I rolled up a towel yeah. and kind of use that as a pillow. But you know, you're on your back and you got to bend your knees kind of up towards your chest. And I kind of crossed my ankles, but I mean, it's cramped as crap. Like, when I finished and actually like got up to get out of the bathtub, my feet were crossed, like my ankles, and they were kind of like bent. So I almost fell down because I didn't realize it, but my feet had fallen asleep. <laughs> so they were not quite numb enough for me to be like, whoops, and just fall out of the tub. But I stumbled a little bit when I was trying to stand up. So that's kind of funny. But yeah, I'll report back more. And I'm not ever at all, nor the show is – saying you should ever sleep in a bathtub because you shouldn't. It's very dangerous. Um, you should never try to fall asleep in a tub. If anybody taught us that, it was Nancy in the Nightmare on Elm Street. You know, you should. <laughs> yeah. No, you shouldn't. People have drowned in bathtubs before, so you should not fall asleep or try to sleep in bathtubs or hot tubs or any body of water. It's very dangerous, especially if you're by yourself, so don't do it. I did one time, and then when I woke up, it was like 3 in the morning, and the fucking water was like ice fucking Oh, cold. really? And the only reason why I w- woke up was because my body was like starting to like, Shiver. you know, freeze. Shiver a little bit? Yeah. I was like, what the fuck? What? I think oh, I remember shit, you telling me about that. Was that somewhat recent? Uh, no, okay, so I fell asleep probably more than once in a bathtub. <laughs> right. Yeah. I've I've never fallen asleep that long, but I've woke up before and the water was much, much cooler than it was whenever I laid down in it. Yeah. Huh. I like to think that the way I was laying so cramped in there, like there's no way physiologically is that even the word to use in this situation? There's no way physically I could have gotten relaxed enough to like slip down on my back because I would have felt that. But yeah. yeah, guys, don't sleep in bathtubs and don't sleep in hot tubs. It's very dangerous and pretty stupid. Yeah. Well, we got anything else here? Oh yeah, you were you were working on some experiments of your own potentially. So I haven't quite got around to it yet because, like in the city, it's probably not <laughs> that kosher as it is out in the country. So in a couple of years, <laughs> that's another word for not legal. <laughs> yeah, we're go- we're going to move out into the country. So my my plans are is I want to build a sweat lodge because that is another tool to help you disconnect your consciousness from mm-hmm. your body. So like you can do the float tank, you can do a sweat lodge, you can do mushrooms, LSD. So let's talk about the legal stuff that you can do. <laughs> and that would be a float tank or uh-huh. a sweat lodge. So if you want to build your own sweat lodge, what you do is uh, you find a, a section of your yard that uh, you can, uh, you, you know, 10, 15 feet kind of block off or whatever. And you want to dig a hole about uh, three or four feet down, and you want to smooth that out and fill that with, like, rocks mm-hmm. and shit. And then you want to encase that. And there's two shapes that you should use 
well, technically three, but one of them is kind of hard. So the, the two major shapes that you should use is you should build a pentagon frame or like an octagon frame, or you should build a pyramid over it. And then uh, after you build that 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 little structure over that, you need to go get some of that, uh, you know, like that, uh, what do you call that, black cellophane tarp stuff that painters mm-hmm. use, and wrap the shit out of that so no light gets in. And then uh, you just go get some lava rocks, and you get those fuckers hot, light them on fire, and then you have somebody come in and fill that pit that you've made full of those hot lava rocks. And then you close the the tent flap and you sit in there and you get into a meditative trance and all that heat starts to make you sweat and it, boom, forces your consciousness out. Oh. And that's how the Native Americans did it. Really? Yeah. So I've got some neighbors down the street who dug a fire pit in their backyard via um, instructions from Pinterest. And like a week later, they got a note in the mail saying that their homeowner's insurance was getting ready to drop them because the structure they had built in the back was not safe and posed a fire hazard. And basically, they went out there kind of surveying the neighborhood um, and their house is on the list. And of course, they went in the backyard and saw that and sent them a Dear John letter. So I'm willing to bet you a bright, shiny nickel, Preston, that what they did was small potatoes to what you wanted to. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, when we get out to the country, that's on the first, you know, right weekend project yeah. right there. Daddy's gonna make himself a sponge. Well, or if any of you listeners have your own sweat lodge and would like to let us use it for a weekend, by all means, email the show and let us know. And we'll test. Yeah, it out. let me know if you ever build that, man. When you guys move out there, I'd come by and check yeah. it out. We'd either asphyxiate ourselves or get all hot and sweaty. Right. <laughs> oh, man. Well, dude, we don't really have much else to talk about. And there's no sense in droning on. So, nope. Another reason for this episode is I'm trying um, some new editing software and I want to see if the audio quality is the same or better than it's been in the last couple episodes because I've been uh, tinkering with that some. I think we're loads better than we were, especially in that first yeah. couple episodes in the very beginning. So, all right, well, let's plug some stuff and get out of these people's hair, man. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks with um, with Rob back in the mix of things, too. So um, Check out our brothers from another mother, Big Steve and Brady, uh, with their oh and podcast. And uh, on my uh, podcast uh, you know, list or stuff that I listen to throughout the week, um, check out uh, Boogie Monster. It's always yeah. a good one. Uh, check out uh, Expanded Perspectives and then uh, Astonishing Legends aren't uh, too bad so give those guys a listen give them a whirl and then uh, everybody that's from the Pixelated Sausage Cast crew and all their jams yeah Pixelated Sausage and Pixelated Radio and Sports Car Unleashed those are all the good ones you mentioned O-Indeed right at the very beginning awesome And jump online, check out BigDobsBeardBalm.com and use the promo code PXLPARA for 20% off your entire purchase. All right, short and sweet like me, folks. We'll get out of your hair and catch you in a couple more weeks. Peace. The cast that Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown, tales that will move you a little further down the paranormal highway. 
If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. You have two ways. One, email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, we have that set up too. Dial us at 707-523-4263. Again, that's 707-523-4263. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. Like a sex machine, man. Moving, doing it, you know. Can I count it off? One, two, three, four.